0: Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. Welcome everybody. Man, it's great to have you for another podcast, and I hope you've enjoyed this series as much as I have. And man, today is, is the climax of the whole thing. Uh, Today, if there is one podcast I would send to my friends and I would send to people in church life, today is the day. Today is the key behind the whole umbrella of obedience in the aspect of where the blessings flow. So I look forward to you joining me in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and the verses following as we look at the umbrella of obedience, in particular one word, worship but man, we're gonna talk about today getting under the umbrella, and I wanna talk about worship. Now, before you stuck at Pastor Zach and go, man, that's perfect, because man, they just killed it. Like, that was awesome. I'm not talking about a narrow-minded focus of worship being just praise and worship. I'm talking about a bigger concept as far as is what is your life song when it comes to worship. So for you to understand that, We're going to be in Romans chapter 12, and I want to kind of set the stage one more time of what this series has been about. I did not bring it today, but I had an umbrella on stage the first couple of of weeks, and it was the concept because I believe there's a few words that we hear a lot that end up unintentionally confusing us sometimes when it comes to obedience. And the words are mercy and grace. I believe outside of the umbrella of God's obedience, when we're obedient to God, there sits mercy and there sits grace. I don't say those things based on the saying that obedience is a way of earning something. I'm not talking about earning anything. I'm talking about doing what God's called you to do. But uh, there is an aspect of mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is when we deserve something But yet we don't get it. Somebody shows us mercy. The example I've given for a few weeks that everybody can relate to is that amazing cop that you thank Jesus for that says, you know what? I'm gonna give you a warning. Just slow down. And you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You heard my prayers. You know, and then you go off speeding, all right? But it's one of those things. That's called mercy. The other thing is grace. Grace is when you get something that you didn't deserve. You're like, man, I I don't deserve this. Man, this is unbelievable. What a blessing. And God's like, yeah, it's called grace. And those things are very true and throughout God's word. You're even going to hear some of those words today in the scripture that we are using. But what I've been talking about is the aspect of blessing that can be mercy, it can be grace, but there's also a concept throughout God's word, especially when He's talking about His people, that there's an umbrella calling obedience. And when you do what God's called you to do, he can pour out his blessings. Again, I am not talking about a works-based faith. I'm not talking about earning God's favor. I'm simply talking about God's promises, what he's called you to do. And then when he says he will do something, he is always consistent to do it. So if you do what he calls you to do, he will do what he said he will do. We've talked about prayer corporately and individually. We've talked about giving to the needy. We've talked about the aspect of, of fasting. We've talked about the aspect of tithes. Today, I wanna talk about worship. And I'm not talking about worship again like what we just experienced. I'm not talking about worship as far as, now, okay, guys, you need to be at church on Sunday because we're two or more gathered. He's in the... That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a lifestyle of worship. So to understand this, I'm gonna be sharing with you where I always go, which is in his word, and I use what's called the English Standard Version. I believe the, the greatest translation out there that will help you learn God's Word is the ESV Study Bible. Now, don't mishear me. There's a lot of great translations that I've used in the past, New American Standard. You know, there's a lot of different ones. I know there's a Holman Christian Standard. There's all kinds of different ones. I'm not telling you what to do or not do. I know some people are like, man, I like the old King James. Well, listen, anytime you want to read God's Word, that's a good word to read, okay? But I'm just letting you know where we're going today. And we actually have those Bibles at guest services if you ever would like to purchase one of those. We have a discounted rate. But I'm also today going to do something I hardly ever do, and I'm going to use a paraphrase of God's Word along with the ESV. This paraphrase some of you have heard of before, it's called the message. Now, I want to make sure before I use that, because I really believe in handling God's Word truthfully, that you understand what the message is. The message is not a translation of God's Word. So, I'm going to give you a real quick synopsis, okay, of, of Scripture. Scripture was written, inspired by God, 100% accurate, written by man, inspired by God. It is God's Word. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. Through the years, there's been different people that have taken those particular languages and they what they call transliterated them into a particular language, whether it be English Or Spanish or something of that nature. One of the first ones that was most popular that you hear about is the King James Version. But before that, there were different Bibles, the Geneva Bible and different things like that that people have had along the way. Whenever you transliterate something, you take it from the original text and you put it into the current language, that's called a transliteration. Usually these are done well when there was a group of people or council that helped to make that translation. It helps with the accuracy. But whenever you take the non-original language, aka the English, and you just put it into what makes more sense as a paraphrase, that's called a paraphrase of God's word. So you say, Mickey, well, what's your thoughts on that? Those are great to use as an enhancement, but they would never be the main way I study God's word. Like the thing I always say is if this was the last copy of God's word, what would people believe about God and where it came from? I love the fact that the translations that we have, there was a shepherd boy that was walking through the desert, throwing rocks in a cave, and all of a sudden, and he heard a crack, and he went down there and saw a bunch of pots, and in those pots, there were these scrolls, and it was around this thing called the Dead Sea, and next thing you know, here's the Dead Sea Scrolls, and one of those tablets was the one called the Joshua tablet. They pulled that tablet that had not been touched, had been stored in this cave. They put it to the Joshua translation, and guess what? It matched 100% because it lets me know that God's word is accurate, it's true, and it is everlasting. So I just wanna make sure that you understand before I get to the paraphrase, I don't want you to put too much worth on the paraphrase. I'm using it to help drive home what God's word is saying so that we understand what it means to get under the umbrella of worship when it comes to obedience. Everybody with me? So with that being said, let's start out in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, Therefore, or I'm sorry, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, if you have a paper Bible, or if you're on your phone, you can highlight these words. Underline the word spiritual worship. See, He has very quickly identified that there is something in your life that's called worship. And God never intended for your worship to be just isolated down to Sunday morning at 10 o'clock when Pastor Zach hits that thing and they get started, and then I'm going to worship for 30 minutes, for 25 minutes. That is a form of worship. But God in his word says, you know what? There is something that is called an act of spiritual worship. In other words, everybody worships something, just so you'll know. And today I'm not debating on what you're worshiping. I'm asking you to look at what does your life represent that you worship. Like you, listen to me, you were created to worship. I want you to know to not worship something is not an option if you're breathing. That's one of the things I get a little bit tickled with people when they say that they, you know, well, I'm atheist. Okay? But just because you don't believe in the God doesn't mean that you don't have something that you worship in your life that can become like a God to you. Everybody has something that they worship. In fact, this mechanism of worship that's been put in your heart, it's in Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11, is what King Solomon says, that he put a mechanism for eternity inside of you that would cause you to long after something and it would lead you to Christ. It's an amazing concept. It's what separates us from everybody else. But how you worship is where you're gonna discover where the blessing comes from whether you're gonna depend on grace and mercy or if God's gonna be like, man, let me bless you. So can I go back to this scripture one more time to make sure we understand? Listen, spiritual act of worship. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, and then here's what he says, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So if you're taking notes, the aspect of worship that God requires from every one of us is very simple. He desires for us to be a living sacrifice. Now, that's one of those words that just is kind of weird, isn't it? I was joking around with the worship team beforehand, talking about different old hymns that we used to sing in church that I love. But honestly, if, if you didn't have a relationship with Jesus, they just, they're just weird. Like, are you washing the blood? Like if I'm visiting a church, you know, are you washed? Are you washed in the blood, in the blood. You know, and I'm like, well, I ain't getting washed in no blood. Y'all crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like until you know, you don't know. But once you know, you can't unknow it. And so when we talk about this aspect of sacrifice and a living sacrifice, you immediately think like like we we bringing out goats. We're finna chop something head, like we're gonna start like that's not what it's talking about. What it's talking about is are you willing to sacrifice the way you want to live to do what he wants you to live? Are you willing to not do it your way in order to do it his way? Are you willing to live a life that rather than doing it, the way you want to do it, you'll say, you know what, Lord? I will sacrifice. I will turn away. I will kill what I want so that I can live a life the way you want me. The word we're looking for there is the word obedience. I told you earlier, I have five kids. Some of the most amazing times as a parent are those moments, and you know what I'm talking about if you're a parent, when your child, you know they want something so bad, but they say, you know what, it's not good for me, I'm not gonna do it. And when you see them do that, and they choose the right thing over their desires, you go, okay, now that's pretty awesome. And it shows up throughout their whole life. Like at age 50, it's still showing up. I joke around about it all the time, right? Like I love cake, you know? It's like, I, what, how, I eat cake too much. But at some point, I'm like, okay, I can't eat cake all the time. Right, because you you got to turn away from some things because if not you're going to have the results of what that is in your life all the time. If you're taking notes, write this down. Your life is a direct reflection of what you've worshiped the most. Like you ain't got to tell me what you worship. It's obvious. It's the old saying, it's written all over your face. Like, you don't have to tell me or anybody else. nothing. Don't mishear me. I'm not talking about keeping up with the Joneses. I'm not talking about doing something for accolades or somebody else. I'm just telling you what you worship's obvious. And I'll also tip my hat because you're sitting here on Sunday morning. There's a lot of other things you could have been doing. We've got people in Welcome that are joining us online that they could be doing other things, and it's so good to have our online family with us. But what you do in worship is a huge priority. And the scripture says, present your body as a living sacrifice. Now, most people have twisted this to mean something totally different. I I get so tickled. I was in student ministry for many, many years. This was like the go-to when people wanna talk about modesty, right? Well, you shouldn't wear that because God says to present your body as a living sacrifice. Well, you shouldn't get that piercing. Why? Because God said to present your body as a living sacrifice. Well, you shouldn't get that tattoo because God's word says that, I mean, every, well, your body, but meanwhile, the guy talking about all this weighed 200-something pounds and was a glutton. I wasn't talking about myself right there. (laughs) I meant talking about somebody else, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not what this is talking about. This isn't presenting your body based on modesty, based on tattoos. People say, well, pastor, what's your, what's your stance on tattoos? They're forever. That's my stance. Like, I'm not the greatest decision maker, but if I knew I was making a decision that was going to take, like, forever, I'm going to be like, hang on a second. You know, like, forever is a real long time. But it's one of those things that, that like, that's not what it's talking about is how are you going to live your life it is what's number 1 what you worship is that going to be god and you can't live your life saying god's number 1 but yet only do what you want to do like you need to make sure you catch that you cannot Live your life as God being number one and only do what you want to do. I'm not saying sometimes you may not do what you want to do, but you can't only do what you want to do. Can I keep going? Verse two. Listen to what it says. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Underline those words if you have a paperback. That by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. It gives us the key to understand that most people struggle when it comes to worship. And it's not because God's not number one. The problem is it's what they spend their time focusing on mentally. And if you conform to the world, guess what? you're going to end up being worldly. You say, well, Mickey, I'm not perfect. I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about being worldly. I didn't say to be perfect. I just said, don't be conformed to this world. What's a better way of saying that? You can't think like the world thinks and expect God to be okay with it. You can't. You say, what are you talking about? I don't have to say what I'm talking about because you know everything I'm talking about. We ain't got to hit hot buttons this morning. I'm saying you can't go against God's word under the umbrella of, well, that's what the world says. That'd be like me looking at my kids. Hey, listen, you just do what everybody else is doing. It's okay. If everybody else is doing it, then you can do it. Have you ever heard a parent say that? Anybody wish your parent would have said that? (laughs) Like, it seemed like a good idea. Like, I got so tickled. My mom used to say, well, if everybody was jumping off the bridge, would you jump off the bridge? I was like, well, heck, yeah, I'd jump off the bridge if there's water down there, and I know it's safe. I mean, like, if five or six, then I know we're good. Like, I love jumping off bridges. And she's like, that's not the point, Mickey. And I'm like, well, that's a terrible question. (laughs) Now you know why you had to pray for my mom, and you need to keep praying for her, right? But it's one of those things that, listen to me, the key was... What she was trying to say is, are you going to conform to what everybody else says or are you going to conform to what God's word says? There's a mental battle that is going on and that mental battle has more to do with your worship than it does your lifestyle. Like that, that's, that's, that, that wasn't in the notes, that just came out. You need to write that down. Okay, listen to me. It has more to do with your worship than it does your lifestyle. Your lifestyle is only showing you what is worship to you. In fact, I don't do it a lot, but can I use a paraphrase, the message? I love, 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 love. Like, in fact, the only time I probably ever used the message is in Romans chapter 12, because I think it's so good. So go ahead and put it up on the screen. I'm going to read it from the screen and listen to what it says, these first two verses. It says, so here's what I want you to do. I'm going to make it simple for you. Again, this is a paraphrase of God's word. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't Maturity in you. Again, that, that is somebody's paraphrase of what I just read out of God's Word. But I love when it says, like, what does it mean by a lifestyle? It's talking about your everyday eating, sleeping, going to work, what you do. The reason why this is so big deal to me is, is from day one, like day one A1, like my, my, my scripture that God put in my heart was Proverbs Is in Proverbs 16.3. It simply says this, commit your works to the Lord and he will establish your plan. I realized from day one that Solomon had a real good wisdom that he said, listen, if your everyday ordinary actions will be committed to God, then guess what? Your plans will be established. He didn't say his plans. He said your plans. That let me know that I didn't have to worry about my plans. All I had to do was worry about my actions. If I did what God called me to do, then he would do the rest in taking care of my plans. If I wanted to be married, guess what? He would take care of me being married. If I wanted to have kids, guess what? He would take care of me having kids. If I wanted to have a successful job, he would take care of that. All of that thing was not hinged on me, which was my plans. All I had to do was Commit my everyday works to him. You know what that word is? Obedience. But here's the struggle. Some people say, well, I love Jesus and I've accepted Jesus, but it hadn't worked out for me. You know why? Because you got consequences of disobedience. Please don't confuse the consequences of your disobedience as God not doing what he's called you to do but you can start to change that by simply becoming obedient now again listen to me i am not talking about this legalistic pharisaical like you got to do this i'm just trying to tell you where the blessing flows and it flows under our umbrella of obedience can i read the next scriptures here's here's where everybody gets up and leaves Are you ready? Verse three. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Yes, it is not the same for every single person. God gives you everything that you need. And that's different from some people to another. In fact, look at the person beside you and say, whew, you needed more faith than me. (laughs) Look back at him and say, it may have been you. (laughs) All you husbands that kept your mouth shut, good job. I'm proud of you. (laughs) You did good. (laughs) But listen to me. There are certain people that there's a different amount of faith that they need. I know that seems weird. Like, "Well, well, I never heard that. Well, it's in God's Word. But God lets you know that he is so intentional with his personal relationships that even the amount of faith that he bestows on people is different for each individual situation. Isn't that awesome? He knows how much you need. But I want you to understand why. Here's the key today, talking about worship. You wanna get your worship right? I'm fixing to tell you. Are you ready? Listen to the next few verses, and then I'm gonna be done. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though we are, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individual members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. If you have a paper Bible, underline these words, please. Let us use them. Let us use them. Listen to what he says. If prophecy... In proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You know what he's saying? He's saying, not only are you gonna worship me and I'm gonna be number one, but I'm gonna give you a purpose so that other people will worship me too. And I've given it to you through a gift. And you've got to figure out what that gift is and then you've got to use it. I'm going to chase a rabbit for just a second and I'm going to try to be real careful with this. I promise God's gift for you is not what you're doing 40 hours a week and getting a paycheck for. That was not the greatest thing that God had for you to do. Now, some of you go, well, Mickey, I don't know about that because it's my calling and I teach in a school. I understand what you're saying, but if that was God's ultimate calling, why would he ever ask you to retire from it? My ultimate calling is not to be the pastor of Crossroads Community Church. There's something greater because this is my ultimate calling. Why would there ever become a day that one day I'm going to walk away and retire from it? What he's called you to do will be what you'll do from A1, day one, until the very last day when you take your last breath. Hey, I'll give you a little hint. It's called worship. It's what you'll do for eternity. And if we don't get a lifestyle of worship now, boy, I'm telling you, when you get to eternity, you're really gonna be a little bit frustrated. You're literally gonna be sitting there going, wait a minute, you mean for eternity we're gonna worship Jesus? Yes. A minute ago when you were singing and it says, and the angels cried, holy, holy, holy. Guess what? They are doing that at this moment and they're never going to stop. And I'm not talking about worship as just praise and worship. I'm talking about a lifestyle. They cannot help but to worship God. It is how they were created. It is who they are. In fact, the only ones that did not do that end up being cast out. You know him as Lucifer, the great morning star, and all of his demons. Mickey, are you telling me if I don't learn to worship, I'm basically like a demon? I did not say that. But, I mean... I mean, I did not say it either. I mean, even the demons believe and tremble. So you can have all the belief in the world. Well, what separates you from the demons? They don't worship him, but you can. You say, Mickey, how do I worship him? It's through your service and your lifestyle. See, around here, we do these things called dream teams. And everybody thinks that, oh, well, we do that because we're a portable church and and that's just a way to get everything done. Actually, that has nothing to do with it. We financially could just pay people to do all that if we wanted to. But we do dream teams. Why? Because you and I need dream teams. Because it'll help us know where we worship. Like the people that are up on this stage leading us in worship are a part of a dream team and they make sacrifices and they meet with Pastor Zach every Thursday and they went through a process to be a part of that. Just like there's people that got here early and set up and there's people, like all of those things. You say, why? Because you need to use what God gave you to serve him. Everybody has the same purpose. Your purpose is to love God by serving others. You say, well, I don't know what to do. Well, you heard earlier in an announcement, we got growth track. You know, in growth track, that's what we talk about. We talk about your leadership, discovering your design, and discovering your purpose. And then we celebrate and say, okay, now let's figure out a theme. You say, Mickey, is this a ploy today to get people to serve? No, I'm trying to get you to understand worship because I'm telling you, if life's too busy for you to serve God, then your life is too busy. Because I'm telling you, if you want to get under the umbrella of obedience and you want to see the blessing, then it starts with a lifestyle of service. Well, I want to thank you one more time for joining us for this podcast. And man, again, I have so enjoyed this series and I especially enjoyed uh, today. I want to encourage you. I always talk about CrossroadsCommunityChurch.com and ways you can get involved or how you can support the ministry, but today I want to encourage you with something else. If this is spoken to you, I want to encourage you to share this podcast. This is one of the few times that I personally am sharing this podcast with some of my friends in ministry talking about the aspect of worship and what God's Word says and how we worship through a lifestyle of service. So join with me in spreading this word in this podcast. And as always, until next time, be blessed and have a great week.